Good morning. Our Old Testament lesson today is Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, page 866 in your Old Testament. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let, your hill, uh, let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the case of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me, for I have brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery and sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised. What Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what, for, what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come with him, um, before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So my name is, oh, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so I'm so glad to be joining you today. Um, I just finished my, my second year at Union Presbyterian Seminary in Charlotte. I'm a recent grad of Davidson College and a, a proud product of UKirk, the Presbyterian campus ministry. Um, and uh, yeah, I just learned this past year that uh, the term we use for guest preaching is pulpit supply, which is a really strange term in my mind. Um, it sounds like a place that has a back to school sale going on right now. Um, you get a folders, notebook, and a sermon. Um, so um, for this discount sermon this morning, would you all pray with me? Lord, grant us wisdom, grant us courage, that we not, not miss your kingdom aims. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage, serving thee whom we adore. Holy Spirit, come fall afresh on us. In your name we pray. Amen. The title of this morning's sermon is Micah, the Medical Student. Is anyone in here a doctor or works in the, the medical field at all? Okay. Um, maybe in the children's moments, some aspiring um, doctors or, or medical workers. Um, a few weeks back, I had the pleasure of attending um, a friend of mine's white coat ceremony. Uh, I think Campbell's Medical School just down the road will have theirs in about a month or so. Um, the white coat ceremony celebrates a student's journey to becoming a physician, um, yeah, putting on that distinct white coat. Uh, there were balloons, a big stage to walk across, deans and faculty making big speeches, parents with cameras, proud husbands and wives of the students, everyone cheering when their student's name is called, um, everyone was dressed really well for all the photos. Um, the white coat ceremony um, 
is an acknowledgement, too, of how difficult it is just to get to that point in starting medical school at all. It celebrates all the hard work those students have done just to get to that point. All the late nights to make the highest grades in college just to get the opportunity to spend more late nights studying for the medical college admissions test, the MCAT, uh, then all the time filling out applications, writing essays, uh, prepping interviews. Um, and by the way, it costs money each step of that process, so this is usually on top of working some full-time medical or research job that pays the bills or helps your resume a little bit. So the white coat ceremony celebrates the tremendous sacrifices of the students who made it through the gauntlet, as well as their families who, they sacrif who sacrificed alongside them. Between the balloons and the speeches, family photos, you would think that ceremony is a kind of preemptive graduation. Um, but then something really special happened that I think is unique to white coat ceremonies. The final charge, the benediction at the end. Congrats, now the hard work starts. Can you imagine that as one of the students sitting there wearing that shiny new white coat, knowing everything you've gone through, everything you've sacrificed, to get to that moment, and then you hear that the next four years will be even harder, and maybe more than four years counting residency and fellowships. All the deans and professors were very open and transparent that, about how hard those next four years will be. And none of the students, or by that point I have to assume gluttons for punishment, took the opportunity to run out of that auditorium. They even seemed excited. The white coat ceremony is celebration, acknowledgement, and also motivation to persevere because those doctors in training could see and feel that end goal in mind. We often think of the prophets in the Old Testament as fortune tellers who predict the future. But I would offer that for this passage, it is much more illuminating to think of Micah as a modern-day medical student instead of a fortune teller. Stay with me here. If we reduce the role of the Hebrew prophets to simply predicting the future with a crystal ball, we reduce their legacy and we lose so much of their important tradition to our faith. Micah's predictive power here is like my older brother's when he used to say, if you keep taunting me to tackle you, I will tackle you. Imagine my surprise moments later when I'm seeing stars with my shoulder blades pinned to the ground was my older brother an oracle, or did I lack a necessary understanding of cause and effect? When we put all our emphasis on the apocalyptic visions, we miss the Hebrew prophet's unique role in communicating God's vision of community, a vision of love and justice. Prophets like Micah are God's truth-tellers, especially to the religious establishment. The prophet was the first to predict Jerusalem's fall, but equally as importantly, Micah tells the people why Jerusalem will fall, because of its own injustice. So some examples, the powerful seize land and people's homes simply because they have the power to do so, and when the people, hungry and now homeless, protest, the well-fed religious leaders call for peace and not justice, the leaders abhor justice and pervert equity, and the judges of the land make decisions that are entirely corrupt. And remember here, those last four, I was quoting scripture, not the newspaper. 
So in our passage today from the sixth chapter of Micah, the prophet is responding to an important question. What is true worship to God in such broken times? It's a question of sacrifice. What and how much? Starts with burnt offerings, prized year-old calves, and then quickly escalates to thousands of rams and ten thousands rivers of oil. Or what if they even sacrifice their firstborn? Will that be enough of a sacrifice to get right with God? No. Micah instead states that God requires of us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. You see, we often treat worship as a celebration of sacrifices, preparing us one day for an eternal graduation. No, I think the prophet reminds us that worship is the disciple's white coat ceremony. Beloved, congrats, now the hard work starts. The prophet's words echo as a reminder that Sunday is not the end of the week, but the beginning, that Christ is not a dessert we've earned because we worked out, but bread for the journey, that we gather, praise, and acknowledge to motivate us for the hard work to come, that we read scripture so that we can persevere knowing the end goal in mind. Medical students often swear the Hippocratic Oath during their ceremony, and I think Micah gives Christians our own oath. When doctors say, do no harm, we can say, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. I first heard this verse at Ukirk at a Bible study where the leader said that we often switch the verbs of those first two phrases. We are so good at being kind, doing kindness uh, to one another, and we love justice when we see it happen. But that is not what the scripture says. The prophet says to do justice and love kindness. The keynote speaker of the white coat ceremony was Dr. Andrea Oliver, a professor of foregut surgery. Uh, If I ever needed a reminder that I should be standing in a pulpit and not in an operating room, it was the realization that I had no idea what a foregut is. Dr. Oliver said something to those students that I won't soon forget. Your white coat is as clean and bright as as today as it is at the end of your career, then you never got close enough to touch someone. What does it mean to do justice and love kindness? Get your coat dirty. Get close enough to touch someone. At a time of sanitized ritual temple practices, Micah calls us to the messy work of justice. I think that means looking close to home and asking deeper questions. Get your coat dirty. Get close enough and touch someone. Campbell's medical missions are a good example of this. Every year, it's very well publicized that Campbell students have the opportunity to travel internationally um, and serve while uh, working towards their medical degree. But less publicized is that Campbell runs a free clinic in this community that students and physicians volunteer in every single week. Even though they're only open one day a week, they see hundreds of patients a year Service is often needed closest to home. And why is that? It might be because uh, in, uh, since 2005, nearly one in five rural hospitals in North Carolina have closed. 
We rank third in the country in rural hospital closures. So Campbell's students stepped up, filled a need, and got their coats dirty. They serve in this community, form relationships with their neighbors, and look deeper into why the issue exists at all. So finally, I want to touch on a last important piece of Micah's call, uh, walking humbly with God. In order uh, to do our due justice and love kindness, it is a needed reminder. Like, for example, I have to say, I know nothing about rural health care. Um, that was just what I could you know, find in the little research I've done for this sermon. But y'all are the experts when it comes to that. Uh, at the very least, in your experience of trying to find doctors and clinics, making long drives for quality care, and then figuring out how to pay the bills afterward. When we are in the gray areas of justice, we start to call what's black and what's white. We start to think that kindness and justice are the end goal. They aren't. The kingdom of God is. The cross is. The empty tomb is. And when we realize that, it gets a little easier to get our coats dirty, to get close enough and touch someone, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen.